ways. Shall we start singing I Feel Pretty? No. It's in Moana. No. I feel pretty. pretty. Oh, so, so pretty. pretty. <laughs> and witty. And, and gay. gay. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. And Anyhow, action. I'm, I'm going to start. And action. Can you leave that, please? <laughs> <laughs> Just start the podcast with Gerard singing that. <laughs> You're listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. All our current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years experience. Each month we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone to the uh, Medic Materials Podcast. My name is Mike Turk. I am here with Kelsey Gerard and Emily as always. And uh, it is May 1st and May is National Mental Health Month. And um, I we were kind of discussing what we were going to talk about uh, for the month of May. And... Um, not only do we do, you know, call reviews and open discussions, but we also talk about, you know, things that happen in real life and, you know, uh, how providers deal with real life. And we kind of like to open up those cans of hard conversations. So uh, for this month, we are going to be talking about first responder mental health. And um, today we're we are going to be joined with an awesome lady. Her name is Joni. And uh, she runs a uh, a local rescue and dog training program here in uh, upstate New York. Uh, it's called Operation at Ease. All of the links for her contact information will be in the uh, the description in the show notes of uh, whatever platform you're uh, listening and or watching on. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna fill up the rest of the hour pretty much with uh, with a lot of her talking. I don't think we talked a lot. I asked that, a lot of questions. We asked, we asked a lot of questions, but we let her pretty much do all the talking. And uh, what she has to say was amazing yeah. Yeah. in uh, the program that she runs with the rescue dogs mm-hmm. and the service dogs and being out there and offering these services free of charge to first responders mm-hmm. with, you know, post-traumatic stress. And I think that's, you know, it, it's one of those things that, isn't talked about enough. And I think we're starting on that cusp of it starting to get out there and talking more and more. Uh, I think, you know, people like Dan's son that you mm-hmm. and I had the pleasure of talking to uh, really were at the forefront of bringing that, that conversation mm-hmm. about post-traumatic stress in EMS first responders to a forefront. Yeah. Uh, I think he got the ball rolling to where now more and more people are, you know, able to talk about it so um kelsey before we uh jump right into the interview you have our uh our monthly or bi-weekly whatever the hell it is wow <laughs> whatever the hell it is rig check. doesn't care i don't <laughs> care <laughs> so first i want to say that honestly this entire episode made my heart happy including this rig check so we have officially reached 1500 downloads on the podcast Woo-hoo. so hopefully we'll get awesome. maybe 1600 with this great episode we have we also should. we should we have also officially reached 380 subscribers on our YouTube page. So thank you to everybody Damn. who has sub- subscribed. Our Keep next goal uh-huh. is 400 subscribers. So make sure you subscribe. Let share your friends it, know. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody. Tell everybody. 
So you can also support us by rating and reviewing the podcast on whatever streaming platform you listen to. And if you have a cool and interesting call you want to hear us review on the show, fill out the survey monkey below. So today's shout out goes to Cooper, Rubble, Shadow, and Autumn, and everyone out there who owns a dog. Oh, Rubble. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Cooper's excited. He's probably still sleeping. Cats, cats, no love for you. Yeah, no love for cats. We're talking about rescue dogs today, (laughs) so. Notice they don't have rescue cats. Exactly. Because Because they're evil. They're evil and (laughs) self-centered. I know because I have two of them. They use me and lose me. When I was seven, I called my mom and I was like, hey, if I can catch a barn cat, can I keep it? And of course, I was seven. So she's like, yeah, sure. Thinking I'd never catch a cat. Reason a mountain lion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I brought home a really tiny cat that eventually got to be really fat. My cat is really fat. Bad was it, was cool. it the bobcat that guy threw in that video? <laughs> I watched that for the first time last night. Mark came over and he was like, did you see the bobcat video? He goes, bobcat. <laughs> and I was like, no. And I watched it, and the dude really does. He's yeah. like, Bobcat! Ah! That's like the Florida Man video I watched where, and, and only my people could do this. He didn't get the chalupa he wanted at so he, threw the so he throws the alligator through the window. The four and a half foot alligator. <laughs> no muzzle. Fully open mouth, right through the window. Only in Florida. Oh, yeah, only honestly. In Florida. Only in Florida. Oh, God. But we have listeners in Florida, so... So stay safe in Florida. (laughs) Don't throw any alligators. (laughs) Oh, so... uh, But in all seriousness, this this conversation really is... um, The Taco Bell meat tasted so good the rest of that week. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I mean, gator is good. Gator is really good. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. So is ostrich, actually. Allegedly. Allegedly? (laughs) On that note, <laughs> on that note, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anywho, um, <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, the the conversation with Joni, uh, we you know we talk all about uh, what her background is and how you can get you know one of these amazing dogs if you're in that uh, position where you might need a service dog and kind of open up your eyes to uh, the availability of services that aren't just like, hey, go pound sand or, you know, hey, I did this really rough call and hey, soup, I'd really love for you to like help me out. And they're like, well, we got nothing for you. Back it up, buttercup. Right. Get ready for the next call, you know, and uh and this is this is a program that I think a lot of people can get behind. She's looking to expand, which I think is is really awesome. Yeah, you know, say, even if you just, you know, if you actually are perfectly fine and everything's good, and you want to support it, there's yeah. a lot of ways to do that yeah. too. Yeah, you know, not just monetary, but I mean, even we're talking about you know, fostering the dogs, things like that. There's all kinds of ways to support it. Yeah, showing up at the fundraiser. And if so. you already have a dog, there's Please a dog do. wash you can bring your dog to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be there. Oh God, we'll I can't wait. There. Yeah. <laughs> Cooper will be so happy. So excited. Oh my God, he'll all be that so hair excited. will clog all the drains. Probably. Shadow's going to get pampered. <laughs> and I'll just bring rubble because he will not get in that water. Oh my God, my dog hates crumblers. So, all right, guys, if there's nothing more, I will uh, lead you into the. Uh, the interview um, again, Joni Bonilla from uh, Operation Addies. Enjoy. 
All right, so uh, we're sitting here with uh, with Joni Bonilla of uh, Operation at Ease, and uh, jo- we hear the puppies already, <laughs> and there they are. Um, I know everyone was really bummed that the dogs couldn't be here with us, um, but uh, Joni, kind of explain what uh, Operation at Ease is and uh, your background and how you uh, how you started the uh, the program. Sure. Um, Operation Eddies is a nonprofit organization that takes dogs from shelters, pairs them with veterans, first responders, and most recently nurses, and provides a free guided training program for post-traumatic stress and mobility service dogs. Uh, We started about six years ago because I was looking for a service dog for a friend of mine who had recently left his military service. And when I started to call organizations, I was just met with red tape and politics and price tags of $30,000 and waiting lists of five years. (laughs) And um, so I've been training dogs myself for over 20 years. I've been a military spouse for around that time as well. So I just decided rather than be upset about it, I would bring something that was lacking to the community. I like that. That's amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I held the first class in my front yard. Um, I really thought that I would just do maybe like three or four class, three or four dogs a year. I never, I, even though I knew there was a need for it, I truly didn't understand what a need there was for it. And can you kind of elaborate on what kind of need you're seeing right now? Yeah, I think, you know, our program differs from other training, other service dog programs, because typically service dog organizations have a breeding program. They, they, the trainer trains the, the puppy throughout a course of a few years, and then the recipient is matched with the dog. And over a course of two weeks, there's a handoff, and then that person is sent home. And that's what creates the price tags and the waiting list. The way I designed our program was I created it to be a guided training program, which means our participants come to classes every week for almost a year. So they really make, you know, one, it combats isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're in groups with their peers working again, which as you all know, that when you're in a veteran first responder community, the people you work with, you know, are who you trust and who you lean on. And when you leave that community, you're, it's just missing. So we kind of try to recreate that. Um, Everybody starts together and everybody ends together. Um, The program, you know, so they have to get up. They have to show up. up, You know, um, they, they come when their days are bad. They learn to work through it. And it really puts them in the driver's seat of their healing as opposed to just, and I'm not knocking talk therapy because I do believe that it's a puzzle and we need all the pieces to put the big picture together. But rather than talk therapy and, and, you know, replaying the worst days of your life, it really gives them verbs to kind of get through it. It almost gives them like a purpose for that, yeah. for totally that amount of time. Purpose. You know, um, the people who don't have dogs already, we match them with the dog from the shelter. So they really get the added benefit of saving somebody you know, which, I mean, let's face it, that's just an innate quality for somebody who does, you know, first responder work or veteran work. You know, you don't get into that field if you don't have some manner of, you know, feeling really the true. need to 
you know, do something more. And so this lets them do something more. All of our dogs have stories, just like they have a story. Our dogs aren't perfect and they're not perfect. And they each just really work towards saving each other. We, we also don't always give easy dogs. I mean, depending on the person, I'll sometimes give somebody a dog who I know is going to be a little tougher just so that person can be like, I made it through this. You know, I accomplished this. I did this. I made this work. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have a question? It's pretty, I'll just keep it's going. Awesome. I have a question. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey's got a question. But I have a question. <laughs> so does it matter like what type of dog? Like, could you have like a Great Dane or a Chihuahua? Like, so we've had what type uh, of dog you yeah, liked? We've had two or three Chihuahuas go through the program. Um, so we definitely have. Um, my favorite breed, you know, it ended up one, one piece I wasn't even remotely considering was the advocacy piece. You know, I'm a mental health advocate. I'm a veterans advocate. Now I'm a first responder advocate and I'm a huge pit bull advocate. They are hands down my favorite breed to work with. Favorite breed to work with. I love that. Um, (laughs) but if somebody has a dog already in the family, you know, who they're comfortable with, we do a temperament test on their dog. And so they can already use somebody who they have in the home, um, you know, but I, I definitely think I, I've never had a bad experience with any pit bull we've ever placed, but we'll, but I look for, I don't ever let anybody pick their breed. You can pick your size based on what mm-hmm. you think you need. If you really feel like you need a big dog to be out because your experiences now warrant you have a big dog at your side or maybe you need someone small because you really want them to be able to jump up on your lap or you want to be able to carry them. You know, you can pick the size and then I pick the dog based on who you are as a person, what your needs and what your goals are. What because your the, world gets bigger. Go ahead. What is the interview process like for that for like getting into the program, getting your job or dog chosen for you? So it is a pretty, I mean, you have to want this program to get into it. You know, Um, you have to fill out our application online. You have to provide an emergency contact who doesn't live in the home with you with three other references. If we're placing a dog with you, there's a home visit. I need a doctor's note that the dog is medically necessary. And then I need a co-signed waiver that you are in therapy. Um, Because in essence, not in essence, I mean, what we do is exposure therapy. We just do it with dogs. And none of us are mental health care professionals. We keep that out of OAE so that everyone has somewhere to go without psych, you know, um, someone sitting there and analyzing you and, you know, uh, diagnosing you while you work, you know, it's just where you come with your dog and, and we just get stuff done. But things come up. I mean, the first half of our program is done in a classroom, but the second half is you're paired off with our public access trainer And she takes them everywhere we could possibly think of in the Capital District to ensure that their dogs not only are well-behaved in public, but that they know how to task appropriately. So we go to the airport, we go to restaurants, we go food shopping, we go to, um, prior to COVID, we even did a lesson at the VA because nobody walks in the VA without their adrenaline spiking, you know, and then we don't need... (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, including um, us. <laughs> yeah, I mean anybody. You know, we work on the dogs waiting in line. We we anywhere we could possibly think. We go to the mall. We make sure the dogs are in elevators multiple times. You know, anywhere that we can think um, that Terry, she's our trainer, can think of. You know, they go to it, and we go there twice. The teams are tested a series of three times to ensure um, the integrity of our teams. Um, all of our trainers are certified by an outside agency or have college degrees in animal science. Um, the problem with the dog training industry is really, you know, we're not regulated by anybody. So you really have to do your homework. What are your credentials? You know, and we just make sure that our team is staffed with other veterans you know, Terry was an EMT. I've been a military spouse. Bruce was in the Air Force and then later a state trooper. And that's important to us because we really want that connection with them, you know, where where we know what it's like. Mm -hmm. And going in on uh, experience and uh, kind of just elaborate on your team's uh, your team's background, like you, you have already said, it's not really regulated. You kind of have to regulate yourself, but going through your website, it says that, uh, you know, most of your team are, you know, uh, certified in certain things and, uh, has a significant amount of experience behind training. Yeah. I mean, I think if I, I think, I mean, maybe our, our baby dog trainer is Terry and she's at 12 or 15 years um of dog training she started yeah and she might be our baby you know i'm gonna just we'll take a minute to call out bruce who turned 60 this year he likes everybody to know (laughs) it's a a good year (laughs) he likes everyone to know but he was a you know a dog handler in the air force and then upon leaving the air force was an investigator um with the state troopers and then upon retiring um with the stateies he um switched over, you know, what we call a a crossover trainer, where he um, became positive, all of our training is positive reinforcement, you know, and that's non-negotiable. You've already had bad days. You've already had a hard time. The only thing you're going to do with your dog is feed him beef jerky and hug him, you know, so (laughs) that's it, you know, like any horse you've ever had to use, it ends at our door, you know, um, you know, Bruce is certified through an organization called Catch, Terry, uh, Terry certified through Animal Behavior College. I have a degree in animal care. Uh, Kathy Stevens helps us out sometimes. She's actually a certified service dog trainer. And we all take, you know, are involved in outside, um, you know, seminars constantly. Right now, Bruce and I are both taking a course on um, mobility service dogs, you know, so it just never ends. It's really it's almost overwhelming when someone says, how do I become a dog trainer? Because it's really like read every book you pick up, (laughs) watch every video, go to every seminar, work at every shelter, you know, like there's no easy answer. Um, But, you know, Terry's involved with Mohawk Huts and Humane Society and their jail dog program. I've worked in several different shelters throughout the United States. And we just take that and, you know, roll it all together and put it into this program. Awesome. How many dogs uh, do you go through a year? How many classes do you do a year? So we're, we're expanding this year, but typically because the program um, is so long, we, we do about 12 a year, I would say. 
I mean, we keep the classes very small. You know, what we're not going to do is take someone who has suffered trauma, who's starting their life over and throw them in a giant group. You know, so your classes are maybe two, at most three dogs per, per class. Oh, wow. Awesome. And yeah. yep, two or three and that's it. So you get very individualized one-on-one attention. Um, and we'll give them like we in theory have a timeline, but in reality, we give the teens as long as they need things come up, you know, people go um, into inpatient programs and then their training has to stop, you know, things just just happen, you know, but I, I tell everybody who starts do not like put make this priority for your life for the next year. Don't change jobs. Don't go to college. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't leave your husband. You know, don't <laughs> do. Don't be like, God, I'm feeling so much better. I think I'm going to go get that shiny new boyfriend I've always wanted. Yeah. Don't do it. You know, take this time for yourself. You know, allow yourself to be celebrated and to be front and center. Because anything external that you add, um, transitions are very hard when you've suffered, suffered trauma moving is hard. Having new experiences is hard. And we work with people, I mean, especially, you know, our nine, um, nine 11 first responders who have never, haven't been in a mall since then. Yep. And we're going to the mall. It's on our checklist, you know, and, and we're going there because it would be a disservice to them if we didn't, because your life, like, I always say, it's not my job to make their life bigger. It's my job to make the life they're living more comfortable. But your life just gets bigger. It just gets bigger. You so, know, so it, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to lead in. Keep keep going. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to go into the next thing I was thinking. <clears throat> well, you know, so it just gets bigger. I mean, we've had teams like take their dogs to, you know, on planes who never thought they'd be in a plane, never thought they'd go in a mall again. Teams who literally haven't been food shopping, who who we've shown up, you know, we had one team who they showed up at the grocery store and he texted me from his truck. And we, we had to talk text for 20 minutes for him to get into the grocery store. And grocery stores are scary places. I mean, there's there's you can't see your exits. There's giant, you know, the aisles are covered. The aisles are small. There's people coming at you in every direction. And these are just things that day-to-day -day society doesn't think of. Although I do hope that now, because of the pandemic, we've all been living with something that we're afraid of that we can't see, something we think might get us, something we think might hurt us, something, you know, now we've all, the whole world's, you know, standing <laughs> six feet away from other people. You know, um, we need three feet of personal space. You know, if I was standing in front of you, I would feel very comfortable being an arm's length away from you. Somebody who has suffered trauma requires six feet of personal space, you know, and so, and that's not feasible in a grocery store situation. It's not feasible waiting in line at the airport, you know, so the dogs are really taught. Um, everybody's dog is taught to buffer in these situations, whether in front of them, side to side or behind them to create that space without having to be like, please get away from me. Mm -hmm. well, it's, it's, you think about it, it's pretty incredible what man can teach a dog yeah. to do. It really is unbelievable. No, um, actually, it, I, I never really thought about it, but, uh, yeah, cause I, I had a friend of mine that, uh, um, uh, he, 
was there with the first time they went into Fallujah back in uh, 2004. And um, I honestly can say I don't ever remember him going into a grocery store. And yeah. we, I mean, we would go out and stuff like that. And, you know, he would like hand me when he's like, here, go grab this. I got to make a phone call or something like that. It's just funny because I never even put that together. Yeah. And even was going right. door to door, kicking him in and going into a grocery store would be just like going down those alleyways. And yep. shit. I never even thought of that. And just, just hearing the story yeah. as, as she's telling it now, I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, hey, that's not something that normal people think about. I've never thought like, about that I, in my I life. I don't, I don't, you know, yeah. we take it for granted. We go in and we're like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. it's a grocery store. I'll get my lettuce, I'll right. get my bacon. But not like, okay, I, I need to find exits. I need to see where people are, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it, it's a whole different way of thinking. Or something. We're going to, you know, do a barbecue and, and yeah, he always had something to do outside. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, even like when I first met my husband, anytime we would go out to eat, his back had to be to a wall. Yeah. Never understood yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never well, he that. was either in the mafia and didn't show that. With you, or, <laughs> I could totally or, believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go with no. Yeah, you know, I mean, there, you guys might have to have a conversation. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when we've had to adapt how we do certain things too. I mean. You know, there are some, we've had some veterans who aren't comfortable walking into Colony Mall because it's two levels and you don't know who's on that second yeah. floor. Yeah. So we have to, we start maybe at the Rotterdam Mall because it's only one floor. one floor. We've stopped walking in directly to the mall. We walk in through Barnes and Noble because you're walking into a store. You're not walking into a big echoey hallway. You can see the the door, you know. So it's like, I always joke with them that I have like hypervigilance to take care of their hypervigilance, you know? <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I think that really we, we just, as a society, need to just change what we've decided post-traumatic stress looks like or what it should be or what the timeline is, you know, because there's so much shame associated with it. You know, the media only covers it. That's why I'm always so grateful for these interviews, because it's only covered if there's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's only covered if somebody kills their wife or hangs their dog, you know, and in this and it's like veteran with poster with PTSD and in yep. small print. Right. It's like was also schizophrenic and off their meds. Right, well, right. there's other problems here. Yep. But, you know, being schizophrenic and off your meds isn't as sexy as being, you know, somebody who was supposed to be, you know, a hero to the community and country now doing something not heroic, you know, and the reality is, is trauma is anything that overwhelms the brain's ability to cope anything. And that could be different for me, could be different for you. You and I can be in the same car accident and I could walk away fine and you could walk away, never able to drive again. Mm -hmm. And we have to really just stop judging what other people's experiences are to them. Yeah. You know, a disorder is anything that's medically not natural. Yeah. And post-traumatic stress is the most natural response to trauma. Mm-hmm. So even the diagnosis itself just sets people up for failure and to be stuck in this, you know, identifiable cycle. cycle. Yeah. 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 And Gerard, you and I, when we talked to Dan, um, when mm-hmm. we had our conversation with mm-hmm. Dan's son, um, it was, he said something so phenomenal in that, you know, it, it would be one thing if we fell down and broke our arm and we're like, okay, 
you know, you broke your arm. Yeah. But here with PTS, you almost fall down and break. He said, break your mind, which I think yeah. is like yeah. phenomenal. Oh, oh, just a, a completely different way of thinking about it. And when you start thinking about it that way, you're like, oh, OK, well, maybe we should take into consideration how to heal these things like we would if we just fell and broke our arm. You know, and um, so I, I I was going to ask kind of the not so much the process, but what kind of things for the uh, the EMS, the nurses, the paramedic, you know, providers that you've started to open this program up to uh, what kind of healing have you seen uh, from the teams doing that? Like with these dogs? Well, what honestly what I've seen is just a gross lack of resources for first responders. Yeah. Yep. There is yes. so <laughs> much emphasis on veterans and veteran mm. mental health. And, and it's like, we, we automatically, you know, it's just, we've, we've built the veterans, you know, and, and the military community to be like these extraordinary people that go to extraordinary places and do extraordinary things and meanwhile, we have the first responder community who's just an everyday part of our life. And they're almost so integrated that we we don't see them as anything special, you know, outside of that 30 second interaction you have with them if you need them, you know. So I'm almost like the veterans, I, I know who to call for them. I know what resources to get them. I know where to get them mental health. I know where they should go for inpatient. I know if they need housing. You know, I had a firefighter who needed a therapist and it was like nothing. There's mm -hmm. just nothing available, Yep, it's a you know, for this woman. And I think mm -hmm. because of that, really it took a good year before we had a first responder apply to our program. And that was the article that you saw that had you yep. reach out to me because it's just that you guys are a tough group to penetrate because you know you've just had to take care of yourselves or not be taken care of at all yeah and i think you there's know, a lot of uh i i don't know how it is in the veteran community but i think there's uh, you know a lot of anger in the in the paramedic community <laughs> no. no no i'm not saying anger like not not that way let me let me explain in the fact that because there's no resources for us we kind of like we go through an event and we're like, OK, I would really love the opportunity to go to therapy, talk to somebody. And then you go to your supervisor and your super your supervisor goes, we'll just go pound sand like yeah. that. That's we don't have that. And there's Sorry. a stigma. And there's this. And then there's the stigma, like just get over it. Right. You're fine. Just right. you can't do this if you don't have tough skin, blah, blah, blah. Right. And eventually we just become bitter and yep. angry and Hard. and yeah and it affects ourselves our you know outside of work environment our in work environment you know all because we're just angry because there's nothing there you know yeah and yeah, and the very few things that they they do as tokens that make it look like they give a shit is uh you know they have like these after action uh uh, stress debriefings, debriefings yeah, yeah. where you all sit in there and it's a dog and pony show and they've got you know some mental health professional quote unquote and they've got their canned responses you ask them you know a specific question you get a very 
you know, vague answer, you know, just kind of a blanket answer. And everyone just goes around the table reliving everything. And then at the end they go, okay, everybody's uh, good to go, right? Yep. Yeah, Happy okay, and chipper. Donuts and coffee and we'll, uh, we'll see you later. Yep. Have a good day. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, and that, you know, I could see where that would be. And then they wheel the politicians in to get their photo ops. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and give your plaques. Right, I got my little, little certificate. <laughs> and, yeah. All um, that good stuff. You know, but it, what, what really, you know, uh, made me reach out to you, Joni, was not just the article, but reading in it going, hey, this is incredibly different. For like you think, you know, service dogs for, you know, uh, the veterans and, you know, the uh, the disabled and, you know, people like that. But you never think like, oh, hey, you know, I just did a really, really terrible call and I've been doing therapy for years. But here's this other thing that may or may not be able to help me out. You know, it's it's just another tool in the toolbox. Right. And I think it's really awesome. I have a friend who. <laughs> Went to a very bad call. It was a fire, and uh, uh, a child was killed in it. And to this day, he has no sense of smell. Mm-hmm. He won't go get help. He's perfectly fine. I know I'm I'm good. Oh, so you're okay with never smelling anything ever right. again, right? He's like, yeah, I'm good. I've learned to live with it. Which is crazy. Yeah. We shouldn't have to. I know. You but know? traditional therapy, like she was saying, is just relieving like reliving it mm-hmm. where she actually brings something totally different to the table. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who doesn't smell? Exactly. You know, that's, I'm, I'm going to really, that, that is such a great point because especially if you suffer from hypervigilance, like you're a detective or you're a combat veteran or you're uh, you know, a police, a police or anyone who's had to really look out for bad guys, you get in the mindset that everywhere you are, someone is bad. There is a bad person there. And when you're walking with the dog next to you, people smile at mm-hmm. the dog. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know. You know, you don't have to open bad people. Yeah, (laughs) right. But, you know, and and you don't have to read into what their bad day is. You know, what does their bad day look like to you? What you know, what does this possibly mean? Because they're looking at your dog, Mm -hmm. you know, so it it really we just have to be I'm a huge fan of rewrite your ending. You know, it's your you wake up. I, I feel like really, if you put your head on the pillow at night, put your feet on the ground in the morning, you've won. That's all you have to do. You can only work with who you are when you wake up that day. And it's okay if you wake up that day and you suck. You know, it's okay if you do. That's but the a beautiful theme thing about Well, the beautiful thing about having the dog is they don't care if you suck. Mm-hmm. Now, your dog is never going to judge you for having a bad day. Your dog is never going to tell you you should do better. You should journal. Why don't you try meditation? Like your dog is just going to lay at your feet and and hope you let them out to pee three times. <laughs> you know, like it is a unconditional relationship that requires zero explanation, you know? Yeah. And, and the other piece of it is um, we've had some family members that struggle. You know, here I've been is this this loyal, devoted friend, father, wife, and I haven't been able to do what this dog can do. You know, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, it's a family problem. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it doesn't say isolated to one person. It just doesn't, you know, and the dog really becomes the family service dog. I've seen it so many times, you know, but, but it just, we have to normalize asking for help. It is entirely, completely, totally okay to lose a child in a fire and feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. It is okay for a cardiac call um, to not go as you want and feel bad about it. It's okay to drop people off at a hospital and then have to walk away to the next call and not know how it ends oh and God. feel haunted by that. All the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> And but how you, haunting. Then you call back four hours later and they just hang up on you. It's right. like, gee, thanks. Yeah. No closure. Right. <laughs> right. You know, no. so there just has to be more, honestly, empathy. Empathy, mm-hmm. you know, and if you don't have it or you don't know what it means, you you have, it's a taught, I believe it's taught. I mean, I think definitely some people are more empathetic than others. But I mean, I'm a very in the moment person. I'm a very, I I work well alone. I work well by myself. I really have to make sure that I stop, check in, you know, and and really think what is this it like for this person, you know, because to judge how somebody should be after an experience that I don't know. I mean, the only thing I always say I know is that I don't know. I don't know. I know my own experiences. You know, I had cancer in high school. I definitely draw from that a lot because I I knew the feeling of isolation. I knew the feeling of helplessness, of not having any control. You know, I know what it's like to sit with my back to the wall because I was so claustrophobic from MRIs and CAT scans. You know, um, I know what it's like when my veterans say they would rather be in combat than living in everyday life. Because when Mm -hmm. I walk into a hospital, I feel like it hugs me. You know, it's where I grew up. So there's something just very familiar about like hospital French fries that I'm (laughs) fond of, you know, and and we just have to get this idea over what it should look like. Do you have to have a thick skin to do your job? Absolutely. But can you feel bad? Yes. Right. It doesn't need to be impervious. Well, and do we want first responders who don't feel bad? Because that's kind of psychopathic, right? I mean, like, I was just thinking, I don't want somebody to take care of me or my family that has no feelings. That doesn't feel bad afterwards because that's the normal part of it. If if you take a life, regardless of the situation, regardless if it's justified, you feel bad about that. There's actually a lot of, um, you know, um, storylines going on now where they talk about a moral injury, you know, doing this hurt who you are, what you've been told is right, you know, and you have to make decisions in the moment. But what I can say with 99% of the people I've worked with is in the moment when they had to choose, they all chose to live. Awesome. They all chose to fight. They chose to live. They chose to get out of the moment. So anything you're feeling now is not your gut reaction. Anything that's telling you you shouldn't live, that's not your gut reaction. Your gut reaction was to fight and fight like hell. Your gut reaction was to save that life, to get them to the hospital as quick as possible, you know, to save yourself, to save the people around you. And your gut is never wrong. But post-traumatic stress lies, trauma lies. It's like, it's like a haunting, you know, something that haunts you and, and, and tries to convince you that, you know, all your instincts were wrong. 
you know, and I like our program because we teach them to trust your instincts. I mean, I can guide you on how to train your dog, but if every single person tells me, Joni, I feel better doing it this way, I always tell them, trust how you feel. It's your dog, it's your relationship. I mean, I can guide you. I can give you 20 different ways to teach loose leash walking, but you know your dog, you know, and it starts to rebuild trust, trust with their dog, trust with me, trust with Terry, trust with Bruce, you know, trust that our evaluators are good, trust that we're going to, you know, let them, you know, be able to walk around society, you know, and to me, it's the bravest thing anybody's ever done because you're taking something invisible inside of you and you're putting it on a leash and walking it next to you for Mm -hmm. everybody to see. And I don't know, I don't know what's braver than that. I really don't because you're opening yourself up to judgment. You know, you're opening yourself up to opinions. You know, we teach our teams how to advocate for themselves in public you know, the law is very clear on what people can and can't ask, what's allowed and what's not allowed. One of the things we do in every single class is I have volunteers come because all of our dogs are trained on a release to greet other people because our dogs are a bridge and never a barrier. So I always want the dog to start a conversation, start interaction, you know, but on the same token, I have all the volunteers go around and let everybody say no. Can I pet your dog? No. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to say That's no. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. You're allowed to say no. And when, when you're in this type of work, right, you're, and, and you have trauma and you have anxiety, people-pleasing mentality is very common. You know, oh, it's yeah. very oh, common yes. because you're, yeah, you're trying to keep the peace. You want, you know, you you don't want to rock the boat, you know, and I'm under the impression that if everybody likes me, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> you know? everybody, I, my, I always joke with my husband, like we watch Dateline and I'm like, if anybody ever asked you, does anybody not like your wife, you'd have to be like, pull up a chair. You know, so you're not, you know, I really on the flip side is you don't owe anyone an explanation. I, I don't, I never ask anybody what happened to bring you here. I don't require our veterans have combat related post-traumatic stress. Um, I don't care if you've ever been to war. I don't care if you were in the army for 35 seconds. I don't care. You know, I, I don't care because it's it's not that I don't care, but it's your story to tell. Right. And some of them share it and some of them don't. And it's not for me to like hear your story and then decide if you're worthy of a service dog right. or if you qualify for this. You know, our nursing um, program that we just started, you know, we're, we're starting with emotional support dogs until we are able to build it up a little more. But I mean, it's just, if you're a nurse in any capacity, RN, LPN, CNA, any capacity through the pandemic and think you need someone to come home to, give us a call. You know, I don't need to hear that you were in the emergency room, that you swapped 27 noses, that you put eight (laughs) people on ventilators, like none of that matters. You know, because my best friend is a pediatric nurse and I've seen what this pandemic has done to her just going to an office, you know, and worrying if a kid comes in sick or someone has a fever and then her having to go home 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. yep. So that's kind of something that I wanted to get into. Just uh, we talked about, you know, the application process and such, you know, yeah. but I know, uh, you know, you're located here in the Capital District of New York, uh, but we have listeners all over the country. Now, is this, you know, specific to New York? Do you take, you know, first responders from anywhere? Do you take veterans from anywhere? So this summer, we're actually, our hope is we have a plan in place to expand to the rest of New York and hopefully New England. Um, And we will be looking for volunteers to foster dogs from the shelter, get them through, you know, the first two months of the program before we match them. And then we're going to come up with a program. Our, Our intent is um, to have these people come into the capital district for like once a month for like a four hour day, six hour day, mm-hmm. knock it out, you know, and then meet through zoom weekly. Um, you know, because there's, when I've given scholarships out in the past to people in different States, because my accountant said, as, as long as I'm giving money to like these types of people, I can give money away. So I give money away all the time. <laughs> if I have it, I give it away. So there is no Fair. better feeling than just calling someone's landlord and paying their rent mm-hmm. and them not That's knowing awesome. there is no, better awesome than that, you know, Um, because we support our teams for the life of the dog. So if you don't have money, you can come to our program. I'll pay for your dog food. I'll pay for your vet care. You know, Mm -hmm. if there's ever an emergency, we'll cover it. I mean, we, we, I will take care of it. Um, So our intent is to hopefully, but when I've done the scholarships, there wasn't a follow through because they didn't have us. Mm -hmm. They didn't have OAE. They didn't have the, you know, the other people in the room. Like I have a class right now with an Air Force veteran, a nurse practitioner and a court officer, you know, and they all get it because everybody has kind of been, you know, you got to be in a group with everybody who wakes up and ties boots. You know what I mean? Like if you haven't woken up and had to tie your boots in the morning, then you're with the wrong group. Like that's wow. who you need to be with, you know? So yeah. we are expanding for, um, you know, New England and the rest of New York this summer. But I mean, definitely anybody, wherever you are, call me because under the Americans with Disabilities Act, you have a right to train your own service dog. You don't, there is no registration certification required or licensing required. None. There is no paperwork you have to carry, you know, so you can literally get your dog And I will happily call dog trainers in your area and interview them, you know, and find a good one just to make sure that you're going to the right place. Um, But that's your legal federal right. Um, That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. And then depending on your state, like in the state of New York, we have a right, public access rights the minute the dog is in training. Mm -hmm. So our service dogs while in training can go anywhere in New York. Anywhere that isn't a sterile area, you know, um, uh, certain that depends on your state. So you have to look into that. But there's certainly plenty of, you know, pet friendly places. Businesses are allowed to ask two questions. Is this a service dog and what does it do? Yeah. And that's it. I mean, that is it. You know, and I, I just tell businesses, you know, watch, but they also have a right to ask the dog to leave if the dog's behaving inappropriately because fake service dogs are a thing. Fake service dog organizations are a thing. I know dog trainers who have no business 
or people who are calling themselves service dog trainers who have no business doing it. And it's a liability for a dog. It's a liability for the people, you know, in, in who are, who they're working with, you know, and you really, you know, we have to start celebrating people who are walking around with these dogs instead of being like, how do I catch them into being, you know, right. how do yeah. I catch them? You know, unfortunately with everything that happened with the airlines, there's a big spotlight on that now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, they, they've, taken ESAs off the plane, which I understand, but I don't love, you know, I don't, I mean, I have a very good friend and this is going to sound bizarre, but she's kind of bizarre. (laughs) She's no, she's a little, she's crazy, but in in an awesome (laughs) way, you know, but she had like a bearded dragon and she's a writer and she would put her bearded dragon on her shoulder and, and, and she's published three novels and flew with her bearded dragon. And is it weird? Sure. Sure. Did it work for her? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and why are we judging whether or not that should be okay? Right. You know, yeah. why is nail chewing socially acceptable? Like, <laughs> you're eating your own fingers. Valid point. Valid point. When the whole airline thing was coming out, I, I used to joke around, well, the hell, I'll just go get myself a therapy alligator, get on board, and everyone else will get off on my own plane. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, you guys, do you guys have any other questions for Joni? Uh, what are you doing for May since it's Mental Health Awareness Month? Like- Let's talk well, again. like, yeah, I mean, every month is Mental Health yeah, Awareness Month. <laughs> Honestly, true. I don't, I don't like, I think it's great. There is a month, but every single month is mental health awareness month, you know, and I, I, you know, I'm and constantly um, advocating and kind of bringing awareness. So do we do anything special? No, because we, we do it every day. It's like every That's day awesome. is Mother's Day in this yeah. house, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, it's, go ahead. So at the beginning, we kind of uh, alluded to that you had some fundraisers coming up. Uh, just kind of go yep. through, you know, how if, you know, a listener, you know, wants to support your cause or anything, how can they either become a sponsor, donate or, you know, go to one of these fundraisers if they're in the area? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in June, we have our yearly dog wash where we, you know, um really make all of our animal loving people feel good, you know, bring your dogs, give them a bath. We have vendors there, pet related vendor vendors, um, you know, and that's in June in Glenville at Wagtown dog wash. Um, Megan is the owner of that salon and she has done, this was our first fundraiser we ever did. I called my friend and I said, will you do a dog wash? And she shuts down her salon for the day, gives us the entire space and donates all of the money to oh us. Oh my God, and I will be there. I mean, it was so amazing because like, even with the pandemic, when she was shut down and she could have very easily been like, I can't do it because I need an extra day a week to keep my business going. You know, she still gave back. So we built that every year. We have more vendors coming to that. In August, we're doing our third annual post-traumatic stress awareness ride, motorcycle ride. So if you have a motorcycle. I'll be at that one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, You know, and even if you don't, stop by, you know, we hold it on the end. We start at Spitzies and we end at Wicked on Route 9. And you're welcome to come for lunch. I tell everybody I always Uber to the end of the ride. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just feel like there's nothing, you know, more profound than an entire group of motorcycles riding for one reason when you yeah. could ride for free, you know, so it really just puts a spotlight on this is important for us to talk about now. You know, trauma is important to talk about. Anxiety is important to talk about. Post-traumatic stress, you know, and the whole thing of the ride is, you know, we cross out that D because it's not a disorder, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and, you know, we, it's, it's very important that we stop the stigma. So we have sponsorship, our sponsorship packet and our vendor opportunities are available on our website, www.operationatease.org, as is the application for anyone who's interested in applying. And my phone number is there as well for anybody who wants to call with any questions. And I'm going to link all those down in the show notes. So awesome. they'll have free access to those. Um, now, I, I know Kelsey was kind of perusing the uh, uh, the website and there was a option for a sponsoring a team. Is that yes. still an option? Yes. So how does that work? <laughs> so... We ask people to sponsor teams and it basically just gives, um, you know, and then when, when you're matched with the team, we send you an email with the picture of the team that you're matched with. And it allows us to supply the team with anything they need or might need throughout the training, you know, proper equipment, head halters, you know, mobility vests, you know, um, vet care, again, vet care. I mean, I have um, some teams where my credit card is just at their vet clinic. So they can take their dogs in whenever they whenever. want, you know, when we, we pay for that. So um, that's what sponsoring a team does. I mean, we really, as of right now, have never received any state or federal funding and we don't receive oh, wow. grants. So everything that we do is from donations, is from the success of our fundraisers. And truly the community support has been overwhelming, you know, and, and the goal is that, I always laugh when everybody's like, how much money goes towards the veterans? And I'm like, well, the whole purpose of this group is to help people. But right. like, sometimes I need to buy pens, you know, like, <laughs> we need to drink. You know, like, do I know the ratio? I don't, but I can, I can absolutely say that any leftover money goes directly to them in ways, even outside of their dogs. You know, we fenced in yards. Dollar for people. And, you know, 90% goes to the front office. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. We, don't, we don't have an office, so that's easy. <laughs> it's the old kitchen that's office. That's easy to yeah. avoid. <laughs> no, th this this whole thing sounds absolutely amazing, and uh, I'm sure just with the smiles that were on this uh, at this table uh, while you were explaining some of the you know the key points, I'm I'm sure you'll see at least one or two of us uh, down the road at different functions. Oh, yes. Rubble would not God, be I well so. with with the dog wash, so I can't bring him to that. I'm gonna have to tag along with Cooper because my dog doesn't do dog washes. Oh come yeah. on, yeah, yeah. I'll bring Shadow. Cooper's always yeah. muddy, so. Dog does like the hose down in the backyard barely, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Rubble wouldn't. Enjoy but you know, it. we also have um, training <laughs> programs that are open to the public at a cost because it's important to me also that our organization is self-sufficient. You know, um, so we have beginner classes, puppy classes. We actually have handling classes available now for dogs who don't do good at the vet or don't like nail trims. We're going to be I, opening. I think you the just. I think you just sold Emily. You will totally see Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> My dog is so Yeah, misbehaved. we're going to be opening 
the um, service dog program up to the public at a very affordable price because there's just no reason for people to need these dogs and not be able to. And there's certainly no reason for one million dogs to lose their life every year. Isn't that mm -hmm. crazy? You know, I mean, wow. that there is absolutely no reason for that. There is no reason for you know, children who have autism, who could, you know, have friends if they had a dog, not to have these dogs. So we've created a pretty expandable, affordable training program that we're going to be rolling out. And then that way, all of that money can just go for us to expand further, you know, develop the nurses program from an emotional support program to a service dog program, you know, so... Totally sold. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like the ball's rolling, so yeah. we're just going to chase it down the hill. You know? awesome. <laughs> All right. Anything else from you guys? I'm just glad to hear there's something like this. This is awesome. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so yeah, much for all the work so you much. do. Yeah, Thank it, you. This, this whole thing is just very inspirational. And, I, and I, you know, 99% of our listeners are, you know, within the EMS realm. Um, so sure. hopefully, hopefully they're, you know, taking notes and going, hey, this is something that I don't need to ask my supervisor about. I can do this on my own and not be like, hey, go pound sand. I wish I would you know? known about this myself. Yeah. Well, now you do. I was going to say, you know about it now. What do you mean you wish? There's no past. Yeah, right. There's no past. You're currently living in today. Make Shadow, you know? a, make shadow a support dog. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you could try. Is there, there's no like age limit. Like you, that, I guess this is my last question before we wrap up. It popped into my head. Yeah. Cause like my dog is three shadow is God yeah. knows how seven. long, you know, seven. Yeah. But yet, um, and you said that 12. if there's right, if there's a dog within the family that you wanted to train, could you still train that dog? Even them being older, so not, not so much a puppy. You know, this is just where we kind of have to look at it and we have to get approval from your veterinarian that the dog is in a good place to work, you know, because we don't want to take a senior dog and put them in social situations they can't navigate because of hearing loss or eye loss or maybe, yeah, you know, sense. arthritis or hip problems, you know, and on the flip side also, I don't take young puppies. Yeah, I mean, every puppy in the world is awesome. Yep. Well, puppies, yes, don't, they are. puppies don't suck until they hit like six or eight months old, mm -hmm. you know? So I want to meet them <laughs> after they're done sucking when they're an adult dog, you know, and we start doing our evaluations at a year old. Yeah. Our, our evaluations for dogs in the home are always done in public. They take about an hour and our shelter dog evaluations are about three hours long. And we go off of what the evaluation the shelter has already done. So our shelter dog evaluations spend time at the shelter, working with them there, seeing what their trainability is, taking them for car rides at least 30 minutes to make sure no one gets sick because a vomiting service dog is not a good look. <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> not a good look. You know, we work with them in public. We always go to a hardware store because we want to make sure this dog is good with noise, good with, you know, big moving carts, good with men, men with beards, men in boots, you know, small children running by. Thing, you know, uh, uh, the lumber machine cutting, the glass cutting machine, you know, anything that makes loud noise is found at Lowe's, you know, so we, we run <laughs> them through there. You know, the dog in the home, we have more history on, obviously, so that's why it doesn't need to be as long. But I mean, our shelter dogs, you know, um, we don't know what their story is. I mean, we only know what people tell us at the shelter and who knows right. if they've told us the truth. Right, right. Yeah, you can barely get what kind of breed it is from a shelter. So, 
Well, and, and the dogs refuse. Yeah, and the, well, the dogs refuse to talk about their mothers. Also, <laughs> <laughs> when you ask, go figure. You know? go so, figure. I mean, that in itself is a trauma. You know. Yep. So. <laughs> Well, Joni, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time. This was absolutely amazing. And uh, like I said, all of the uh, information for Operation At Ease can be found in the show notes. uh, Or if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it in the uh, description below. Uh, If you're if you're, you know, in need or just curious, reach out to Joni, please. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Milk bone. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.